Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Hey, welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, talking about the world of money and investing. Joined this hour, Chad Henson up in the Goodlettsville office. He's a certified financial planner, chartered financial needs. Chartered special ch- needs ch- Special needs. <laughs> what did I just say? Chartered, is chartered special needs consultant. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and then the retirement income something or other, right? What's the other designation? Uh, chartered retirement planning counselor. The reason I don't know that is because he did a different college than me. <laughs> but, you know, it's all the same stuff. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm just like happy to have people around me that are degreed instead of, you know, the normal financial planning world where you go, yeah, I'm a financial advisor. Oh, what's your education? Uh, what's that? <laughs> uh, um, but <laughs> I shouldn't pick, but I do. Uh, yes, I should pick because people need to know that. People really need to know that the level of education is not what it should be in this industry. But anyway, Chad, I want to bring you on because I saw this article and CNBC. And it was, this blew my mind. One in four adults in the United States lives with a disability. Very true. One in four. And it said, having a financial plan to address care is critical was the title of the article. And it was just talking about, you know, this study that was done where they found that more than half the caregivers of loved ones with disabilities had little time to prepare before assuming responsibility. Oh, by the way, here we go. You got to take care of this person and uh, good luck. Is there any planning in place for it? Uh, Well, no. Yeah, because we just thought we'd live forever. Right, yeah, true. You know, so let's talk a little bit about that. You know, special needs type of planning. You were the guy in the classroom. I always love to tell this story. (laughs) (laughs) Chad knows where I'm going. Uh, There was a guy teaching the class, and he was having people in the classroom raise their hand if they had a special needs child. And just about everybody's hands went up in the room. Chad's was one of the hands that did not go up because he actually went through the education you know, without having any particular reason other than just wanting to love on people and take care of them to go through that. And this guy was saying, thank you for caring about our kids. When I thought it was just an awesome story. So let's talk a little bit about special needs planning, kind of what is it and, you know, who needs to, I mean, one in four, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge deal. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what we, the society that we live in now, um, you know, years and years and years ago, it was a, uh, you know, kind of a social status. It was a stigma. Nobody, you know, wanted to admit that there was, you know, any type of issue and all. And I think that now um, it's more recognized and acceptable. You know, it's not shamed upon because it's, it's not anyone's fault. You can't help what happens to you in life or what you're born with. Well, Chad, remember when I was I was in the JCs, and it was kind of like the junior chamber type mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? 
And one of the things that we did was we actually worked with one of the schools in town that worked with disabled kids. Mm -hmm. And the saddest thing that got me is how these kids were hidden away and nobody to really care for them. Exactly. It yeah. was oh, gut-wrenching. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about that, but I remember like, uh, well, it was Jordan, Jordan Peterson, you know, the psychologist actually talking about people with a level of IQ. Now, IQ is not everything. I mean, sometimes IQ can be, uh, people put it on, put themselves on a pedestal because they they have a high IQ, but right, you know, they yeah. can't tie their shoes, right? <laughs> but, you know, the point is, is that he talked about that there's a level of IQ that is low enough where even the military doesn't want somebody because they could, they could become a danger to other people. Right. You know, so there are all kinds of disabilities that might be mental, they might be physical, uh, you know, psychological, all kinds of things. So, sure. Yeah, it's a hidden group. And now at least we can talk about it. And in some ways we've advanced in that particular way. But when you have a parent that has a child that is dependent upon them constantly, and that parent is not getting any younger. Right. What kind of planning and what, what are some of the first steps that you engage yes. in when working with such a couple? So the biggest difference uh, in planning is that most people who you know, don't have a special needs situation, whether it's, you know, a child or even an adult, um, you know, they're planning for their retirement and how mm -hmm. that they're going to survive, you know, not working and, and have enough income to be comfortable and mm -hmm. all. The biggest difference when you're dealing with special needs is you're not only now planning for your future, yeah. you also have to be planning for, you know, the, the child or adult uh, that you're a caretaker for, for their disability, for their lifetime. Because like you said, you're not getting any younger. And we all know, I mean, accidents happen every day. You know, you don't know right. when your time is going to come. And you have to have a plan in place to uh, to be able to provide and care for, you know, those that you leave behind. Yeah, you might be thinking about a 30-year retirement. And that's what you're thinking about as far as my investments have to last 30 years. Right. And no, we're going, maybe we have to have this stuff last 60 years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because every disability doesn't come along with a shortened life expectancy. Some of them do, but not all of them right, do. Right, right. So, you know, it's uh, my wife actually had a cousin uh, that just passed away a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had Down syndrome and mm. was, you know, when she was born, the doctors were like, oh, she, she won't live, you know, very long. She'll probably die, you know, in her teens or 20s. Um, she was 60-something when she passed away. Wow. And so, you know, just because you're born with a disability or you, you know, have a disability occur to you during your lifetime, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a shortened life expectancy. So like you said, you know, if I'm a parent of a child uh, and I'm planning on a 30-year retirement, you know, which gets me to my 90s or mid-90s mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever – I have to go beyond that, you know, because my child may live to be 60, mm -hmm. 70, you know, and, and so if one, you know, if they're not able to care for themselves, I have to have a plan in place that can, you know, at least, you know, help them along. I mean, there's lots of, I hesitate to say there's a lot of assistance, but there, you know, are some government programs and things that offer assistance. We're way away from where we should be, mm -hmm. uh, but you can't, you can't 
you know, not have a plan and think that everything's just going to be okay, that somebody right. will take care of them. Well, it's, it's difficult because, you know, governments are dealing with fiscal problems, period, and can't afford to do what they're doing right now, let alone add all kinds of programs. So, you know, the likelihood of adding a lot of programs may be not so great. That's, that's true. We've not seen a lot of advancement in uh, the, the government programs, you know, keeping pace with, uh, you know, not just inflation, but, you know, the cost and, and care of, um, you know, children or adults with disabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, they seem to be, you know, we've we've brought it out. Like you said, you know, it's, you know, we used to hide them away, mm -hmm. hide, hide these people away, but, you know, now they're not hidden, but yet there's nothing being done to really further their, their, you know, quality of life and being taken care of. Right. Well, yeah. And I wonder, you know, we look around on TV and you see homelessness and how many of those people were just people with parents that didn't have a plan. I, I don't know. Very well could be, I, I, you, you know, because there's known, a high percentage of them that have, you know, some sort of mental illness, which oh, is no a question. disability. No question. So. I, yeah, I remember one lady in particular, and she would be in the middle of an intersection all the time, same intersection. And it turned out it was it was fascinating because she had a, a significant amount of money in the bank, which was <laughs> it was it was like, wow, she had no clue. There was no plan to take care of her. Right. But she was homeless. And there was nothing that there was nothing set in place to take care of her. Now, I, I mentioned that. And, you know, I think that you could go on either way. You could be like her, where none of the money gets spent on her care at all because nobody was there to oversee it and help and make sure things were. T and the reason I know about this is, is our church was actually looking to put her up. Right. And, and she, she would not, interesting story, she would not go to the hotel because her. Worldly possessions in a shopping cart couldn't go in the hotel room with her. Right. No kidding. So if we look at this, we say, well, we could have two different problems here. And one of the problems is that we could have that. We are, you know, nothing gets helped. But the other thing is that the money could get blown. You know, it could get spent on whatever. Right. A third problem, and I've seen this too, and I've had this type of situation where I've helped people where, you know, accountants have said, hey, can you help out this particular person? Uh, yeah, well, this person has this disability. Okay, glad to help. And I said, well, why am I being brought in? It's because the previous financial advisors took advantage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there is no shortage of, whether it's financial advisors, friends, family, mm -hmm. you know. A fam, friends, family, yeah. I don't mean to pick on advisors, but it just happened to be in, oh, that. Yeah. in this case. Exactly. It was, yeah. it was the financial advisors. But, yeah, family members come in and they take advantage because the person – doesn't know money, doesn't handle money well. Right. You know, yeah. so that and type of planning could it's be... It's real common with friendships and things. And so it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, when you're... That's part of developing a plan is knowing what, you know, your child or your the person you're caring for, what their financial capabilities and understandings are. And to somehow, you know, protect those assets if they're not capable of making, you know, great decisions, you know, whether it be, you know, naivete or just, you know, wanting to, to uh, a lot of people with disabilities, and you know this just as well as I do, are the friendliest, most loving people mm -hmm. that 
there are in They'll the world. They'll give you the shirt off their back exactly. and, and then the, the money in their bank account. But yeah. there's always somebody looking for somebody like that to take advantage of. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that is a, so the question becomes this. You got a couple, you know, let's see, a family, maybe hopefully, you know, maybe we still have two people still taking care of. Sometimes it's only one person and disabled person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say hopefully the two just because then you got two life expectancies right. that can help elongate the period of time that the person can be cared for. But let's say that somebody like this comes in. Typically, how does a special needs planning session go? What does that look like? Yeah, the the first thing, you know, we need to know is what is the disability and what's the degree of the disability? Is it mental? Is it physical? You know, what, you know, do they just have problems with decision making? You know, all of those different things, you know, make a factor in, in the decisions. And then it also depends on, you know, the, the, parents' assets or the caretaker's assets, you know, how much do they have? You know, are they going to be dependent on, you know, government programs or have they accumulated, you know, a sizable sum, you know, because that's a lot in the planning decisions too, in what directions that you take as far as sheltering, well, I won't say sheltering assets, but protecting assets right. for them. Um, so, you well, know. Well, if you've got the, the, the parents and the only thing that they've got going for them is social security. Well, that ends when they end. Correct. Yeah. And then, so you've really got to be conscious at that point of, you know, preserving government benefits for the person with the disability. And any assets that they do have, so you can do some some type of trust work. There is trust work. Yes. And there are, there are other things too. Um, you know, when you set up like a special needs trust or something that's like a third party special needs trust um, to leave assets to someone, you know, that has a disability, uh, it's really important to let everyone know that you think would possibly leave anything to them, you know, to leave it to the trust. To do that. Yeah. Because one thing that will mess up, you know, if, if you have, you know, the person that you're caring for or your child is uh, dependent on government benefits. If they have too much in assets, Mm -hmm. you know, they can get kicked off the benefits. They're disqualified because you're only allowed to have a minimal amount of assets. Right. And and I've seen where you'll have parents that have several children, and then what they'll do is they actually give a double portion or a triple portion to the one that is disabled, but making sure that it goes into something that protects those those benefits because like you said you might have a minimal amount of money but in in whatever what is available what's it like the government type of programs is it so bad that your life is just it's not great yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> so you know you look at that and go and then, well you know, yeah you could you could be living at this absolute poverty level exactly and then because it reminds me an awful lot chad uh, it reminds me an awful lot of some of the estate planning that has been done historically. It's a lot of this is hard to do, and and I don't want to get into this because it's a can of worms. But when people go into a nursing home, and right. then they end up on Medicaid or in Tennessee ten ten care, mm-hmm. and then they literally have no money for anything other than just basic subsistence subsistence type things. Correct. And this is the same thing with this is where, it you, is. where yeah. you you might have the money off to the side so they have somewhat a better living standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the point of it trust. being, you know, in a trust is that it's not the child or adult with a disability's asset. 
and so they still qualify for these government benefits such as Medicaid and, uh, you know, Social Security, uh, well, SSI, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're really in the poverty, you know, range, Um, you know, and then, of course, SSDI is not affected as much, but you know, to qualify for SSDI, then you either have to have a work history before you became disabled, or you've had to been disabled and have a parent that's drawing Social Security. And so, you know, that eliminates a lot of people from being eligible. You know, they don't have enough work history, but yet their parents aren't old enough to be drawing Social Security. So really, your only benefits that you're eligible for SSI uh, which is a minute amount. It's like $941 a month if you get all that you get, but you know, you get it along with Medicaid, which helps cover your medical expenses and then the support of others. So, I mean, you know, right. obviously, you know, you can't live a high quality of life on $941 a month. So, no, no. Okay. Yeah. That really puts it in perspective. So, like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and we'll talk a little bit more about this and get into some detail on these programs. And then I want you to walk through what a trust looks like, who draws up such a thing, and how the financial planner gets involved in this whole process. So we'll do that. And I think this is going to be a, a really good topic. I just, it blows me away. One in four people. Yeah. You know, that is a huge number. And probably we ought to talk about this more on the show here. So let's do that. Be back right after this. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, it talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that debt, good debt, bad debt. I talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts, talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I hope you enjoy. All right. Paul Winkler, Chad Henson, Talking about that little statistic that I gave earlier was uh, eye-opening. The idea being that one in four people, disability, that is huge. And how do you plan for these people that can't take care of themselves or may not be able to take care of themselves completely or maybe only partially? We talked a little bit about SSDI. Chad, just kind of explain what SSDI is and and. How does that work? Okay, so yeah, throughout some acronyms there that people may not be familiar with, but SSDI is Social Security Disability Insurance. Um, anyone that you know, the standards are there's a list of disabilities or amounts of disability that you have to meet the requirements of to get on SSDI. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fairly stringent, um, and anyone 
that has filed for SSDI will tell you it's very difficult to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I jokingly tell everybody that the first, you know, the last person that was hired at Social Security sits in the basement with a rubber stamp that says "reject" on the form when it comes in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's you it's, know, so it's, it's it's you know, yeah, which I won't is seventy percent or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah you know, that they decline about seventy percent of them get declined. Yeah, uh, first, and so you know the point to that is, you know, don't be discouraged if you file for SSDI and, you know, and you don't get it the first go around. It's pretty common. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing to do, though, is if you get rejected is to file an appeal. Mm -hmm. One mistake a lot of people will make is they'll let some time lapse, let the appeal, uh, you have a time frame that you have to file the appeal within, and they'll let that lapse. And then so they file again. And that's almost a 100% that you're going to get rejected that time because it's like, oh, well, this person got rejected. They filed again. They're going to get rejected again. So it's, um, you know, it's it's on their their hit list, you know, of things that they look for when you file for, for Social Security Disability. So, so. The, so the difference between SSI, so Supplemental Security Income, mm-hmm. And, you know, the average benefit on that's like $660 a month was what I just saw on, I was looking at. Yeah, it's up to 941 now, but that's assuming that. Did it go, because it did, as of December of 2022, it just says on here. I'm just kind of perusing the internet. I was like. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. uh, 914 is maximum benefit. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the the okay. number that that's you're where the quoted, name come from. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where it there came from. Go. That was the maximum yeah. benefit. The average benefit. The average which, benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Six twenty two. And because the reason of that is because if uh, if you're you know qualified for SSI mm-hmm. and let's say you're an you know an adult child and you're living at home. Uh, because of your disability and you're not paying rent, then they automatically take money out away from you because, you know, they assume that you have to pay something to live. Mm-hmm. And so there's, yeah, uh, yeah, there's ways to get around that. And, okay. And if you're working with a, a very nice person at SSA when you're filing this, they will help you get by that. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Without going into details. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, gotcha. And but, then SSDI is, is a higher benefit. It is a higher that's, benefit. That's what you're going to find, you know, let's say that you have on your social security statement that you get. Correct. Yes. You, you, so you'll, if, you'll see if, that number. If yeah. you, you know, if you're alive and working and everything, and then you get in a car wreck and you're, you know, disabled in mm-hmm. the car wreck and you have a work history, then you can draw off of your work history. Um, just near your maximum benefits. So. Yeah, and and be be uh, be aware that the average benefit for that, according to this uh, statistical website, is National Council on Aging, is where this comes from. Seventeen hundred dollars a month is That's, the average. Yeah, that sounds pretty. And uh, higher than that, you can get higher than that. But you're only if you're a real high roller as far as income has been. Correct. It can get up to like thirty seven hundred dollars. 
Or uh, if you're a child of a parent that's drawing Social Security and you're you have a disability, then if they were a high earner, then your benefit can be fairly right, high right, as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but you know, re- realize that thirty seven. If you're a real high roller, thirty seven hundred dollars a month isn't much. Right, especially so, if you have a disability and you have medical needs. And, and that's the screaming reason that you want to make sure that you think about disability insurance as well. Uh, just as, on a different topic there, uh, but. That's why I always tell people, you know, recognize that the government's not there to take care of your every whim. Right. You know, there are a lot of people that fall through the cracks. Just look around our society and you'll see that. Yeah. So you do special needs trust. And we're talking about having something to supplement some of those really low numbers that we just said. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a family that has the resources mm-hmm. uh, that is able to to uh, accumulate resources to take care of their loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing you don't want to do is leave it to the child with a disability. If there's ever any possibility, and I'm not saying that it's happening right now, but if there's a possibility in the future that they're going to need to rely on some sort of government assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, because as we know, you know, you get the Medicaid spin down and everything Now there are things that you can do, uh, in a situation where a person has... So explain Medicaid's been down. Because they, they're, okay, they're, so, they're the people, as I know, yes, yeah, but okay, as, so, as the audience knows. Now. Right. So <laughs> if I need Medicaid, uh, you know, I can't have more Which than... Which is 10 care in Tennessee, by yeah, the way. Yes. I can't have more than $2,000 in assets to my name. Yeah, whoopee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, to get on Medicaid or 10 care in Tennessee, you know, if you have assets in excess of that, you have to spend those assets down before you qualify for it. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that they're not going to allow you to have have very much. But by leaving the assets, you know, to your child in a trust, um, it is no longer the child's asset. Now, there are ways to work around. You have other options. Uh, so this might be for somebody that has uh, has a child, and they may end up in a nursing home themselves. Correct, yeah. Is the point that you're making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if they end up in a nursing home, they could actually wipe out all, you can end up wiping out all of your assets. Right. And then all of a sudden now, something happens to you. Yeah, the nursing home got paid, and and uh, but, you know, the child is destitute, right? Yeah. And doesn't have you around. Well, you were in the nursing a, home. You may not have been taking care of them much when they were in the nursing home, but prior to that, yes. Yeah, it's a really tight rope to to try to walk. It you know, is when, because, like I said, you know, earlier when I said you're not only planning for your life, you're planning for your your loved one's life as well. And so it's, uh, yeah, in a situation like that, you know, you have to have planned ahead of time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times what you'll see, sometimes, well, I won't say a lot of times, sometimes what you'll see is that people will fund these trusts with like a life insurance policy, like a last to die, you know, mm-hmm. life insurance policy. Let's do that. Let's take a break and we'll talk about what that is, because that may be an option for some people. You know, it's and we don't sell life insurance, so it's not coming from a salesperson's perspective, by the way. I'm proud to say. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one.
Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.